on today's show. The winning streak was very, very fun. While it lasted, it unfortunately comes to a close at the hand of at the hands, I should say, of Giannis and Tedekupo and the Milwaukee Bucks. And then losing a second game on the second night of a back-to-back is no fun. So the Rockets now riding a two-game losing streak, but a lot of good to take away from these two games. We'll do that and part one of a Rockets mailbag coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and co-host of Locked on NBA Thursday. Wait, (laughs) I'm not co-host of Locked on NBA Thursdays anymore. Got caught in my... In my usual uh, intro, I am now the new host of Locked on NBA Mondays, where we go around the league and interview three hosts on the Locked on Network to figure out, you know, find out the biggest stories, the most entertaining news from around the league. So go check out Locked on NBA Mondays. That's where I do my stuff now. So still part of the Locked on NBA crew, but I am the new Monday host. So with that, you can follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, as well as the show at Locked on Rockets. Now, <clears throat> pardon me, still going through it a little bit. I'm progressing, though, um, which is nice. I don't have the, the really annoying tickle in the throat anymore, which that was honestly the most annoying part of, of all this, whatever this upper respiratory infection thingy was. Um, well, let's talk on today's show a little bit about Rockets Bucks, a little bit about Rockets Grizzlies, and then we'll get into uh, Mailbag Part 1 because there were a lot of questions. I thank you if you submitted a question via Twitter, via the YouTube comments. Uh, I appreciate it. A lot of good questions to get to, so we'll do Mailbag Part 1, and then I'll wrap up the rest of the Mailbag questions that I didn't get to or try to get to um, in the very next episode. So let's start with Rockets Bucks because... Obviously, the losing streak, you know, the winning streak is over, and that's, you know, unfortunate. But I and many other, you know, Rockets fans, you know, I didn't have any, you know, illusions of, of like, you know, visions of grandeur and expecting this team to start suddenly vying for a play in spot and being, you know, uber competitive. And the win streak was nice, it was much needed. And they played a competitive game against the Bucks. I will say that, right? They, they fell to the Milwaukee Bucks 123-114. They led going into the fourth quarter. If you had told me that this team was going to be leading, not only were they leading at halftime by seven, but then still held a five-point lead at the top of the fourth quarter, I would have been, I, I, I don't know if I would have believed you, honestly. It took a 41-point performance and a pair of 21-point performances from uh, Chris Middleton, Bobby Portis, and then again Giannis going for 40 to beat the the streaking Houston Rockets. And they played a really, really competitive game. No Kevin Porter Jr., no Jalen Green, um, no Daniel House Jr. I mean, you know, they were missing 
key rotation guys, and they still played a really competitive game. I want to talk about the main sticking point from this game, which was uh, Alperin Shingun, who continues to just be the most, I mean, he's been the most impressive player this season. Like, I, I, I can't, I, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Alperin Shingun has been phenomenal this season. And in this game, he continued to be phenomenal. He was bodying DeMarcus Cousins and wasn't having it. Like, he crossed the hell out of Boogie. He burned Boogie on a dribble, on a fake dribble handoff. I mean, he racked up, DeMarcus Cousins racked up four fouls in four minutes in this game and was getting into it. He was getting chippy with Alper and Shingun. There was a play, you know, on the offensive side of the ball where, where DeMarcus Cousins kind of tried to, you know, be a little bit of a bully, kind of throwing his weight around. And Alper and Shingun wasn't having it. Uh, you know, he's just, he was still ahead in the game, just playing his speed, his level. And then later, there was there was nobody on the Bucks who could effectively hold Alper and Shingun. Bobby Portis couldn't do it. Giannis had two possessions where he held Alper and Shingun. The first of which he tipped the ball away and it led to a turnover. The second of which Alper and Shingun drew a foul on Giannis and got to the free throw line. Shingun finished the evening 15 points on six of eight shooting, three of six from the charity stripe. You'd like to see that number be a little bit better. Had five rebounds, had one steal, and only one turnover in 16 minutes of run. And I think the biggest takeaway from this game, in addition to the you know impressive performances from the, the starters, C. Wood put in 21, Garrison Matthews put in 23, Armani Brooks put in 21, uh, Josh Christopher was solid off the bench with seven points on three of six shooting. A really you know, solid all-around performance from, from most of the team. And they were very much in this game down to the very end. couple takeaways is, first, it really hurt not having uh, an actual, like, point guard out on the floor in the closing stretch of this game. And there was that really critical turnover. Garrison Matthews gets the rebound and is walking the ball up the floor. And basically, it's like hot potato, like just trying to get rid of it. And, you know, forces it, you know, forces an errant pass to Christian Wood. It gets turned over. Middleton drains a three-pointer and it gives the Bucks. I mean, that was basically the moment where I knew the game was kind of over. They stretched the lead from five to eight. Um, it was like 117-109. And that was just kind of the moment where the Rockets started to let go of the rope. There was about four minutes left in the game, but they just couldn't claw their way back into it after that moment. So not having a traditional point guard out on the floor to kind of run things was a little uh, unfortunate in that in that regard. Um, and then not only that, but the question marks surrounding, okay, Alper and Shingun played a damn fine game. There was no answer on the Milwaukee Bucks side of how they were going to defend Alper and Shingun. So why did Steven Silas and company go away from him You know, in the closing stretches of this game? You know, why didn't he close out the game? I was, there was a point where Shingun got subbed out and Christian Wood came back into the game a little bit earlier than he normally would uh, in the fourth quarter. And I was really hoping that Steven Silas did that so that he could get Alper and Shingun back in to close out the game. And it kind of felt like it, the reasoning that Steven Silas gave in the post-game presser was a little peculiar to me because he cited the fact that the Bucks started to run Giannis at the five and that they, that they needed to guard 
Alperin Shingun with Giannis. And unfortunately, there were only a couple possessions where that happened. It wasn't like it was, you know, a series of, you know, multiple possessions or multiple minutes where Giannis just completely shut down Alperin Shingun. It kind of felt like it kind of felt like Steven Silas was anticipating this counterpunch of them running Giannis at the five. And he had his own counterpunch where he's like, ah, I, I, I'll sub Shingun out and we'll, you know, go back to running Wood at the five. And it was like he had the counterpunch and he was going to pull the counterpunch regardless of what happened because Bobby Portis was still on the floor in the closing stretches of this game. The Rockets could have run Alperin Shingun and Christian Wood alongside each other. And I guess just, from that point, though, the concern was, you know, who are you going to throw on Giannis at that point? Do you let Christian Wood check Giannis? Do you put Wood on Middleton and Shingun on Portis? And then I guess still leave Tate on Giannis? Um, it, it's kind of it's kind of tough to juggle that assignment defensively, sure. Offensively, though, you can't deny that Alperin Shingun was drawing fouls and at an absurd rate was getting pretty much whatever he wanted against this Bucks defense. They didn't have an answer for him on the interior, and I would have liked to see him close this game out. I'm not like completely up in arms about it. I can see the reasoning for why Steven Silas did what he did and went with the lineup that he went with, um, but it's one of those moments where you live, you learn from it, and the silver lining takeaway is from this game and from the Memphis Grizzlies game that I'm going to talk about, you know, coming up here in just a second, the takeaway has to be Alper and Shingun is going to be an all-star at some point in, in the NBA. There's no way that he's not. He is so talented at such a young age, understands the game, understands how to play, how to be effective in a variety of ways. It's not like, and this is the coolest part, right? It's not like Shingun is just a one trick pony. It's not like he's just out there, you know, oh, he's got some cool passes and like that's all he can do. No, he can pass. He can drive. He can create off the low block, the high post. He can create for his teammates. He creates for himself. He reads the game. He plays and hustles hard on defense. The one knock on his game right now is the foul trouble, right? And that's to be expected. You know, he's going to learn and he's going to adjust and he's going to get, you know, more and more comfortable at the NBA level, at the speed of the NBA game. And he's going to, like, there's going to be a moment. I don't know if it's going to be like a true blue, like, light bulb moment for Shingun, or if it's going to be more of a gradual, slow burn as the season continues. And maybe it takes, you know, well into next season, right? But there's going to be a point where suddenly we see the fouls stop happening, right? We see the little ticky-tack stuff. We see Shingun make some decisions where it's, you know, he maybe could contest a shot, but he realizes his value is as you know, an offensive hub on the floor for this Rockets team. And it's not, you know, it's not the end of the world if he doesn't contest every single, you know, layup shot attempt right at the rim, that kind of thing. Or if he's not completely bodying up to another player in the post. So there's going to be a moment where Shingun starts to, you know, pick up on that and realize what he's doing. And when, I mean, again, if, if Shingun was getting 30 plus minutes a night, he would absolutely be in rookie of the year conversations right now. And one of our, in fact, one of our, you know, we've got a couple of the mailbag questions that I want to try to get to are centered around Alper and Shingun and Christian Wood and all that. So I don't want to wait, you know, I, I, again, it's unfortunate that the Rockets couldn't keep the win streak going against the Bucks. They played a hell of a game 
They were leading. They were, you know, in control of this game and they just let go of the rope a little bit down the stretch. And again, that's a good, it's still a good learning opportunity for this team, a team that's missing two of its starters. Okay. So I can't help but be, you know, come away with a positive mindset from this game and even a positive mindset from the Grizzlies game, which we're going to talk about in just a moment coming up here after a quick message from our friends over at Direct TV. Because look, I'm sure this sounds familiar, right? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and then you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the other good stuff that you're missing out on, right? Let me tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle, a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and, TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no more need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's talk a little bit about the second night of the back-to-back -back for the Houston Rockets after a grueling game against the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks, where they almost continued the win streak. They then had to fly out to Memphis. They had a, and they, look, this was not a fun trip for the Houston Rockets. They had the you know the storm over Memphis the, the the terrible flight conditions and they wound up like circling the Memphis airport for like an hour or two or something like that they didn't land until like one in the morning they didn't get to the hotel till like two and they still despite a really really rough start to this game uh, a really rough uh, honestly first half of this one trailing by I mean they trailed by you know 15 16 at halftime double digits. I mean, they didn't hang their head. They didn't give up. They fought back into this game and they made it a game. You know, I said at one point early in this game, I was look, I was like, look, as long as they don't lose by 73, I'm content. Right. Cause if they, if they had lost by, you know, 73 or more to the John Morantless uh, Memphis Grizzlies, I was going to have to start go. I was going to have to go scrub a whole lot of tweets. Cause I got off some jokes when that happened to the OKC thunder. Now that said, uh, the Rockets, reverting back to uh the Daniel Tice in the starting lineup for this game and look you know I think that we 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 all think that we've seen enough of this Tice wood pairing to know that it just doesn't quite work offensively and it it also doesn't help that the Rockets didn't have Eric Gordon out there right to kind of steady the flow of things um, so the Rockets rolling with a starting lineup of DJ Augustine, Garrison Matthews, Jay Sean Tate, Christian Wood, and Daniel Tice. And they got, I mean, they were, they were buried in the first quarter. Um, and the starters looked lost. It looked it was just a really disappointing game all, all the way around. Uh, and then the bench unit credit to the Rockets bench in this game. Uh, the four guys who deserve max amount of credit, KJ Martin, Alperin Shingoon, Armani Brooks, and Josh Christopher, all of which minus Armani Brooks, uh, who was who was a minus two, but KJ Martin was a plus twelve in his twenty one minutes. Shingoon was a plus three in his twenty three minutes, and our uh, I apologize, Josh Christopher was the minus two. Armani Brooks was a plus ten in his thirty four minutes played. The Rockets bench played insanely well in this game against the Memphis Grizzlies. They were the they were the only reason, realistically. I mean, going down the starters. 
Christian Wood played a, you know, a solid game as far as the Rockets starters are concerned, but he was pretty much the only one. Um, the rest of the Rockets bench unit, that was where they found themselves digging themselves back into this game, the stretches where the game actually looked like it was going to be within reach. Um, and it's just, it's a positive, bright sign, right? Even though this came away, this game came away as a loss, being able to see the development and the progress of these Rockets rookies, or, you know, not just rookies, but young players, right? Because Armani Brooks ain't a rookie. Um, but seeing these guys be able to have opportunities to get these reps in and have moments where they can flourish, it gives you a lot of optimism and hope for what this team is going to look like moving forward, right? As the reins are kind of handed over from some of the veterans who are taking up minutes, right? It's not just, oh, well, the Rockets are going to move EG at the trade deadline. Who's suddenly going to play, you know, who's suddenly going to absorb all of EG's minutes? Man, they've got Josh Christopher waiting in the wings, right? Who I will say somebody the other day after Josh Christopher's, um, after JC's birthday game against the Nets, uh, somebody compared Josh Christopher to Lance Stevenson. And I kind of like that comp. Like, you know, I, I, I think, you know, coming out, we had used like the Drew Holiday comp a lot for Josh Christopher, and that never felt quite right for Josh. But I kind of like the Lance Stevenson comp a little bit, like insanely high energy, high motor, locked in defensively, you know, capable, a, a versatile bag offensively, isn't afraid of the big moment, can take the big shot, put the ball in his hands. He's going to try and make something happen. Um, and I really liked that comp. So <clears throat> with this, you know, Rockets Grizzlies game. They fought back into it. They fell, you know, 113, 106. It's unfortunate, but it's the second night of back to back. They fought really hard against the Milwaukee Bucks and then, you know, had a long night going into this game. I wasn't expecting this to be a win. I chalked this game up as soon as, you know, especially with how, you know, it wasn't quite deflating against the Bucks, but obviously, you know, it takes some of the wind out of your sails to not have the win streak going anymore if you're this Rockets team. So, you know, that that's definitely an emotional toll that was taken as well as the physical toll of just that was a tough, hard fought battle against the Bucks. I kind of chalked this Grizzlies game up to a schedule loss, especially once we found out Eric Gordon wasn't playing, uh, sitting out with the right groin tightness, which is basically that's been the listed reason for him sitting out all of the back to back so far this season. So nothing, you know, nothing unexpected there by way of Eric Gordon. But again, I can't be. Uh, I, I could sit here and continue to sing the praises of the Rockets rookies. Um, you know, Alperin Shingun, who had the ridiculous, you know, pass to Christian Wood under the back, uh, under the bucket, drives the ball in, you know, a track collapses the defense and Christian Wood kind of floats in behind him. And, you know, Shingun just shovel pass, no look to Christian Wood. And he gets two at the rim. He had a pass later in the game where they were running a curl action with Shingun kind of in the post and Christian Wood came curling around and Shingun kind of, you know, shoveled past it to Christian Wood and then Wood, you know, was able to finish at the rim. And it's those, it's those moments where we're able to see those guys coexist on the court that you kind of have to come away uh, excited and, you know, hopeful at the future of this team and that we're going to continue to see Steven Silas run Christian Wood and Alper and Shingun more and more together. Um, after the uh, after the Milwaukee Bucks game, Christian Wood, you know, talked about you know the keys to this, you know, this Rockets win streak and how effective they had been uh, during the seven game win streak. And he talked about you know Garrison Matthews, 
Eric Gordon, Armani Brooks, those guys have been playing out of their mind. Al P has been great off the bench. Um, I think he needs a little bit more minutes. Those were his direct words, direct quote. So even Christian wants to see Alper and Shingun get a little bit more run. And I think this kind of segues almost perfectly into uh, one of the very first mailbag questions that I have uh, teed up waiting over here in the wings. So with that, I do want to uh, get into some of that discussion because they are centered some of the questions around Christian Wood, Alper, and Shingun. So we'll get there after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Because look, this holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, right? Or even better than a candy bar, honestly. It's Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in delicious, amazing chocolate. But amazingly low in calorie, sugar, net carbs, and fat, high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. So many flavors that they offer. Raspberry, mint chocolate brownie, cherry, double chocolate, my personal favorite, the coconut brownie chunk. You cannot go wrong with any of the flavors on their menu. You've got to check them out. Bill Bar gives you the extra fuel to get through your day, whether you're trying to lose weight, maybe you just need a little meal replacement as you're running out the door in the, in the morning, right? They're great all around, and you can check them out. Just visit built.com and use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off everything that they have site wide. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And another message from our friends over at betonline.ag because BetOnline has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to their new updated website and use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% bonus on your very first deposit from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's get into our Rockets mailbag questions here and so let me see which question do i want to pull first um here we go this is where this is kind of how i wanted to segue into this um from plumefield <clears throat> is a christian wood trade inevitable because of alperin shingu honestly i don't think that's the case you know, I think that there is a world where Alper and Shingun and Christian Wood can coexist together on the basketball floor. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing in these brief stretches where Steven Silas is trusting that duo to play together and they're working together. And we're seeing some of that chemistry develop between those two guys, because despite what Rockets Twitter would have you feel about the double big lineup. It's not necessarily the double big lineup that is the issue. The issue lies in who the double bigs are, right? Christian Wood is an incredibly versatile big, right? He can do literally everything on the offensive end of the floor. He, he, he doesn't have like a shortcoming in his game offensively. He is a three-level scorer. He does it inside, mid-range, from the three-point line. He can be used on ball, off ball, as a screener, as a spot-up shooter. He can do all those different things, right? Daniel Tice does not have that offensive versatility or range, unfortunately, and defenses do not honor him when he is out at the three-point line. So 
Alperin Shingun does not have those limitations in his offensive game. There are times where defenses do not honor Alp as a shooter. However, Alp makes defenses pay because he will drive the ball in. He is lethal in those dribble handoff sets that the Rockets run. His passing creates opportunities, whether people are you know pressed up on him at the three-point line or not. He is calm and measured with the basketball and finds ways to create for his teammates. So I definitely don't think that a Christian Wood trade is inevitable because of Alperin Shingun. And if I had to pick, you know, the direction that I hope that they go is I hope that we see more and more of Alpi and Christian Wood sharing the floor, hopefully even more, you know, let them get some run earlier in the games too. Like let, let's see what that duo can do with some consistent minutes. Again, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes a night where it's, LP and Christian Wood sharing the floor together. Let's see what that duo can look like. And if there are some drawbacks, if there are some issues with the spacing, with how those two operate together offensively, or maybe there's some defensive shortcomings with that duo, then we need some data points to be able to discuss that. But right now we just don't have enough to know. We've got plenty of data points on Daniel Tice. That's for sure. So I don't think it's inevitable. Um, I do think that Alperin Shingun is you know, bound to be a starter for this team one day, whether he's starting alongside Christian Wood or whether he's starting as the sole big on this team is what remains to be seen. So let's go to our next question from Assad. What kind of return could we expect for Wood and Gordon? I think that the way that those two guys have played, one, I don't think it's a, a foregone conclusion. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that the Rockets are going to trade Christian Wood. I think that Depending on the offers that are on the table, I think you you take the phone calls, listen, and if somebody gives you a monstrous offer, if somebody blows you out of the water, with you're just like, whoa, then yeah, you absolutely take the deal on Christian Wood because there are a lot of talented bigs coming out of this year's NBA draft, and the Rockets already have two very raw, very talented, you know, you know, Guy high potential bigs in Alper and Shingun and Usman Garuba. So I think if somebody comes in and gives you like, you know, a godfather style offer for Christian Wood, um, then you have to consider it. And I think that right now, the way that Christian Wood has played over the seven game win streak, the way that he's played since being slotted at the five, his numbers haven't been phenomenal since KPJ got removed from the lineup. Once KPJ is back, Christian Wood's numbers are going to continue to look, you know, inflated and incredible because he's going to have his actual point guard to help him facilitate. EG does a fine job trying to run the offense and, and, you know, getting things done, but he can't, he doesn't connect and find Christian Wood the way that KPJ does. So getting KPJ back is going to make Christian Wood look even better. His numbers are going to, you know, start soaring off the page again, and that's going to beef up his trade value come trade deadline. I think Wood, you could, arguably fetch like a couple firsts for or like a first and like a, a young prospect type situation for Christian Wood. And I think that the way that Eric Gordon has played, you're looking at least at like a first round draft pick or, you know, maybe a first and a second or a first and like a fringe, you know, you know, young player. But the the problem with both of those guys, you have to also look at the salary filler components, right? And reasonably in whatever trade you conduct for them, you're going to get back some salary filler. The salary filler that you get back is probably going to be a veteran type player. Um, and 
the way that you have to construct that trade is whoever is being shipped out from the new destination for Christian Wood or or Eric Gordon, that salary filler, that veteran type player that's coming back, can't be a player who is, you know, I guess part of the core rotation or part of the production of said team because then that kind of reduces the trade-off, right? And the Rockets don't want to value uh, they don't want to bring in another another veteran. You don't want to just swap veterans around. You need like you know an expiring contract or somebody who's just sitting on the books that's not you know actually part of a team's future, that kind of thing, or not part of the rotation. So it always becomes difficult when you're constructing trades like that, trying to figure out who's where, you know, who's who, who can go where. Look, I would love to see Eric Gordon, um, you know, get sent to the Phoenix Suns and get be able to team up with Chris Paul. And, you know, make a make a run for a title, you know, in Phoenix. Um, I think the finances are really hard to make that work. Another team that's really interesting as an Eric Gordon destination is the L.A. Clippers. Um, a couple destinations that are interesting for Christian Wood, right? Um, I think the Charlotte Hornets could make a lot of sense for Christian Wood. He could be their answer at the five spot. And, I mean, the way that they that team plays, Christian Wood would slot in beautifully and start putting up monster numbers next to, uh, LaMelo Ball and the rest of the guys over there in Charlotte. And then another one that's kind of been staring me in the face for a while now since the NBA draft was uh, the Golden State Warriors. Although I don't necessarily know, does Christian Wood make the Golden State Warriors better than what they do right now, right? Kavon Looney does his job, does his job well, um, doesn't require or demand the basketball at all. Does Christian Wood give them you know, an added dimension offensively? Absolutely. Does he maybe take have them take a step back defensively if you swap out you know wood for looney in their starting lineup probably a little bit um but there's a lot of interesting destinations for wood and for gordon and i fully expect the phone lines to be ringing uh non-stop for the rockets as the trade deadline approaches so let's get into uh let's find another question here as we're rounding some of these questions out um, from Prez Simpson. Besides LP, who's your favorite rotation player to watch? Uh, this is an easy one. If you've watched the show with any regularity, you know, my answer is going to be Jay Sean Tate. Jay Sean Tate. I am a sucker for the blue collar, hardworking, hard nosed, you know, grinded out role players. The guys who make winning basketball plays. Give me, give me all of the, uh, Chuck Hayes's, give me all of the Carl Landry's, the Louis Scola's, the PJ Tucker's, the Shane Battier's, the Jay Sean Tate's of the world. Those are my types of role players. Those are my guys, right? Watching, you know, guys like that hustle and scrap for extra possessions, grinding it out defensively, getting clutch stops. Those are my favorite guys to watch. Um, and you know, I can't, I can't say enough good things about Jay Sean Tate. Um, also, Prez, you watch the show all the time. You should know that by now, man. But anyways, uh, let's go to our next question from Drew L. Um, appreciate you checking out the show, Drew. Appreciate you submitting a question. Uh, one of our regular listeners. With John Wall ramping up for a return to the lineup, does it actually happen? If so, when? <laughs> I was having this discussion with a couple other uh, people who cover the Rockets, and it's just super convenient that the Rockets, you know, had their their conversation almost, you know, pretty much exactly two weeks ago to the day. It's been, I think, 15 days now. Um, 
since the discussions were originally started around John Wall and you know his quote unquote ramp up and return to the Rockets lineup and starting that discussion, and they gave a you know an approximate you know, oh well we'll re we'll revisit you know it's going to take a couple of weeks to get him ramped up. I can't help but feel, and so did a, you know a few other people about it's just so convenient that the Rockets needed a two week ramp up period on John Wall, and now they're on a road trip till basically the end of December. So. <laughs> They went on this, you know, they 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 said, yeah, we're going to ramp him up and then we're going to go on this road trip so we don't have to answer questions about it. Um, no, I, I think that John Wall continues to ramp up. He's been increasingly more active uh, in Rockets practices, shoot arounds. Uh, he's doing, you know, he's out there in pregame warmups, all of that stuff. So he is continuing to ramp up. Does he actually return to the Rockets lineup? I think that's still incredibly dependent on if Wall is willing to accept a reduced role. If I had to, if I was a betting man, which you can be if you go check out betonline.ag, soft plug. Now, if I was a betting man, I would venture to say that the Houston Rockets stick to their guns and that John Wall does not return as a starter for this Houston Rockets team. Does he return at all? Again, very dependent on if John Wall is willing to accept a reduced role for this Rockets team. And I, I, I'm sorry if that's a cop-out answer, uh, but that's just kind of where we're at because the organization understands what their goal is this season in developing and growing KPJ as the point guard. And that stretch where KPJ came back from his first time missed and you know had multiple games in a row with double-digit assists, looked really good, was you know, looked looked phenomenal up until he left the game against the OKC Thunder, right? They they got a brief glimpse into you know a, a heightened version of the ceiling of KPJ as this team's point guard. And I think that that did nothing but you know cause this team to want to double down on that project moving forward. Cause at this point I, I don't even think you can safely call it a project. You know, I had a show earlier this season where I said, you know, is KPJ a point guard? And I had my doubts and I still don't think he's, you know, he's not your traditional, you know, floor general esque, you know, Chris Paul, Jason Kidd, Chauncey Billups esque point guard, right? He's not that. And even KPJ has said, he's not that right. He tried to box himself in and put himself in a box as a quote unquote point guard. And, you know, he didn't find success doing it that way. He started approaching the game differently from a different mental perspective and found more success as just going out there, playing his style, his brand of basketball. So I definitely think the organization sees the promise there. And I don't think there's a way. And I guess this 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 leads into our final question, our final mailbag question here. Um where uh, let's go from listen to Lycon. Is there a world where wall can start teach KPJ the point guard role while they are both on the court? So here we go. I do not see a way in which John wall can come back in, can be a starter on this team and KPJ adequately, adequately get the reps in that he needs as the point guard. And as the focal point running this rockets offense, it's basically going to be a, a version of what we saw last season where the Rockets were starting John Wall and Kevin Porter Jr. alongside each other, and KPJ had some of his worst games starting alongside John Wall. It wasn't until Wall was shut down for the season and the reins were handed over to KPJ that we got a glimpse, however brief it was, that five, six-game stretch where KPJ looked phenomenal with the ball in his hands. 
So why go back on all of that, right? John Wall isn't the future of this team. Playing John Wall in a starter's role and letting him, you know, eat up 25 to 30 minutes a night and get, you know, 15 to 20 shot attempts up, it's not going to suddenly balloon his trade value. There's an understanding of what John Wall can provide to a team right now, and the only hang-up is his contract. So playing him in a bit of a reserve role, if you want to showcase his abilities a little bit so that other teams can kind of take a glimpse at him and say, oh, yeah, he's, you know, he could still help us out. Do we have, you know, 35 million in outgoing salary to cobble together to get some, you know, some John Wall action on our squad? Maybe, maybe not. That's the hard part, right? But that said, it's not the right move to bring John Wall back as the starter. I wouldn't want to see him back as the starter. I would have absolutely no qualms, and I would not hesitate to bring John Wall back if he's coming back in the reserve DJ Augustine role because I do think some spot minutes with John Wall alongside Jalen Green could help him tremendously with him out on the court. So with that, that is going to do it for today's episode that covers a good chunk of our mailbag questions. We've still got a ton more that I'm going to try to dive into in our very next episode. But for today's show, we appreciate you tuning in, checking out the show. If you haven't done so, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app. We would sincerely appreciate it. Free and available on all platforms and the Locked on Rockets YouTube channel. Go search Locked on Rockets on YouTube. Hit subscribe, like, comment, all that good stuff. Interact. Uh, the YouTube comments are a great way for me to be able to see what you guys are thinking. I love that level of interaction. It's sometimes easier than, you know, commenting under a tweet or something where it can get lost in all the mentions. Uh, I do read through all of the YouTube comments. So whether you like the show, whether you hate the show, let me know. Maybe if, if you hate the show, don't let me know um, in the YouTube comments. No, anyways, go comment on YouTube. For today's show, that's going to do it. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.